Good afternoon and welcome to this live edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. It's Thursday. Are you loving the sunshine or what? Yes, the sunshine we're seeing here. I was in Branson last week doing live radio shows from the Bot Radio Network Branson Studios. And it was cloudy, rainy, and cold all last week. And I come back to Memphis. I guess I just brought the clouds with me. And uh, But now, today, I went out for lunch, and oh my goodness, we're seeing beautiful fall-like weather, sunshine, perfect for wearing those sweaters that you want to wear. But uh, we're glad to have you here today on our program. And it's been a, wow, we've been moving. Got back late Sunday night from uh, Branson, wonderful time there with the Branson Chamber of Commerce, doing live shows within Miss Lynn Berry with the Chamber, all organized by our Bot Radio Network uh, station manager, Mona Stafford, did a great job and all of her team putting that together. But we're back here uh, for a couple of weeks, and I hit the road. I'm going back to Israel for about nine days. Again, Bot Radio Network is doing these tours to Israel, and uh, I had the privilege of going in June, and they asked me to go again uh, in October. So, uh, okay, that's my assignment. I go to Israel. And so uh, we'll be heading back with Mana Stafford and bringing uh, live coverage. We'll be doing live Facebook feeds from the land of Israel all over the country like we did last time. So I hope you'll tune in to our Bot Radio Network Facebook page. And by the way, speaking of the Bot Radio Network Facebook page, right now there is a video highlight that I put together of our Memphis Pastors Appreciation Luncheon last week. So it's about a two-minute video clip putting uh, all of the activities and the wonderful time we had with our Mid-South Area Pastors. So hope you'll go to Facebook page and check that out. Right now we want to say hi to our Facebook uh, friends on my personal Facebook page. Uh, Byron Tyler, if you are listening on AM 640 and FM 100.7, you always wondered, what does that guy look like? Uh, You're probably glad you're listening on radio, but uh, you can go to Facebook page right now where we are broadcasting live and uh, encourage you to join us and put those thumbs up and hearts and whatever it takes to to make the activity go on Facebook. But, hey, listen, we're glad to be here today and, and talk about a subject that doesn't get talked about a lot when it comes to mental health trauma, addictions, and how the church responds to these areas. And so today we are so privileged to have some really experts, people who are are working, engaging this issue uh, through the ministry of Christ Church, Christ United Methodist Church here in our city, a wonderful outreach. Uh, Christ Church is involved with so many things. And, uh, you know, uh, Shane Stafford and Maxie Dunham, they're the dynamic duel, you know, the the one-two punch, both these guys together. But uh, I I love them. I appreciate the work that they do in our city and have for so long. Uh, It's crazy. I actually had my high school baccalaureate at Christ Church back many years ago. We won't even say how many long years ago that was. And uh, but anyway, uh, the plate, the church had the ministry has a special place in my heart. But anyway, all that aside, let's welcome Dr. Cynthia Davis and also Reverend Jesse Johnson to the show. Welcome to Mid South Viewpoint. Thank you so much. We're delighted to be here. Absolutely. And I think this is your first time on this show. That's correct. You've got the both of you have those familiar faces. I mean, just warm, friendly, you know, <laughs> inviting faces. That's nice to have, you know, in the studio. But uh, again, we want to talk about something that is. A tough topic, mm. Dr. Davis. Uh, for 30 years, a registered nurse, uh, you, you've served in the medical community, and uh, and then there's this uh, transformation. You had a heart to, to get involved with ministry, and God and, and, and his providence is allowing these two kind of to work together, right? It has been an uh, absolutely awesome experience to be a nurse 
and to work in the healing ministry of the physical body. And even in working with the physical body, you also have an opportunity to work with the emotional and the spiritual. In my work as a pastor, we primarily deal with the spiritual and the emotional. And it is um, an awesome task to have that responsibility that God gives you. I'm grateful for um, the leadership of our church that encourages us to be able to use the gifts that God has given us. And so as a nurse, I draw on my experiences of relationships and working with individuals Mm -hmm. and my experience in working with people who struggle with addictions and mental health issues. And so Jesse and I have been working together with our No Whispers Mental Health Ministry, trying to reach not only our church, but to reach other churches in the city, because mental health is an issue that we don't always talk about. Our ministry is called No Whispers, because no one wants to talk openly about their situation. When Kay Warren came to Memphis a couple of years ago and spoke at the Living Well Mental Health Network Breakfast, um, she said no one should have to whisper about their struggles. And Shane got the idea that our ministry would be called No Whispers. And so Jesse is the director of the No Whispers Mental Health Ministry at our church. And we have seen God do some marvelous and magnificent things in people's lives because now we're able to have the conversation, whether through sermons or Bible studies or counseling or just being open about having the conversation that it's not a secret and that we can talk about it has really made a tremendous difference in people's lives. Dr. Davis and Jesse, I have myself uh, lived in a home where there was my father has a long history, even before as my mm-hmm. parents first got married. My father has been in and out of mental institutions for care, medication, doctors, and basically I help take care of him even today. Uh, and he's in his early 80s. And uh, and yet uh, he was diagnosed with being bipolar. And uh, when he's on his medication, he's doing great, you know, as anybody with bipolar is. And so I have lived uh, even as a child and, and can remember traumatic experiences as a lifestyle of living in a home with somebody with, you know, severe mental illness and, and how that person probably needing, obviously needing help, lashed out against the loved ones in the home, which in that mm-hmm. case was my mom and myself. Mm-hmm. And so I was very familiar with it. But it was through the time that I came to know Jesus Christ as a teenager that I had this incredible forgiveness, love, mm-hmm. and understanding that he does in your life. Mm-hmm. And because I've had over the years, doctors tell me, you know, a lot of family members Mm. are no longer there to support their loved ones with mental illness. Absolutely. Because they just can't take it. Mm -hmm. Without Jesus, I couldn't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's through that relationship. And my dad and I have such an incredible bond. You know, we support and love each other greatly. We understand each other. Sometimes when he's cycling, you know, we might have a little, we have some issues, but I understand it too, you know. But this is something I've lived with for, I'm 56 years old, I've lived with all my life. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes mental illness might not necessarily just be for the one who, and we can talk about this, who has, but but loved ones that might have someone, it's a teenager, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, someone in their family that they love so much. 
and they don't know what to do. Absolutely. Those who live in the homes with individuals who are struggling and who are challenged, whether it's addiction or mental health issues, those in the home then have their own issues as it relates to that. And for some people, it's like uh, post-traumatic stress because they live all of their lives fighting, if you will, whether emotionally or spiritually and sometimes physically, those that they love and they grow up with this tremendous brokenness in their lives. And then they need help to understand with Jesus and with a counselor. Yes. Because Jesus provides Christian counselors and even secular counselors who can with techniques, uh, people who pray, people who understand the psyche of an individual right. and what pain and trauma does yeah. to the mind. So, Jesse, if you'd like to add. Yeah, a and Jesse, when you talk about your involvement with No Whispers, give me a little history and background where you came from to bring you to the place where you're connected with this particular outreach right now. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, when I was in, I, I was a pastor in Ohio actually before I was here and did a lot of work with special um, needs ministry. And so when I came to here and, and met Pastor Shane and told him about sort of what I do, and a lot of it's sort of entrepreneurial ministry and, and taking organizations, bringing people together around an idea and, and then seeing where God takes it. And so we did that uh, with a number of churches uh, up in Ohio and West Virginia and Michigan. And then so when I came down here and sort of pitched some of these ideas to Shane and he was looking at starting No Whispers and getting this going, uh, it seemed like a good match and it has been. And so um, so I have a heart for especially uh, groups that are on the margins uh, who don't oftentimes you know, that's people with mental health. That's people with special needs. There's huge communities there who just their needs are not being met in, in, in the church, and they're not coming to church. And so we want to make sure we're addressing those needs. You know, and, and what a mandate for us is the church. I mean, the least of these. I mean, Absolutely. Jesus gives us that those orders, you know, to take care of, you know. So what a great representation of the love and the grace and mercy of Christ when we take care of those, you know, in that case, Dr. Davis. When individuals have needs, whether emotional or spiritual, the pastor is usually the very first person they go to, Mm -hmm. not necessarily to their medical doctor, not to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but they go to their pastor. So the church needs to be equipped in order to be able to meet the needs of its parishioners. When people find themselves out on the street, A lot of times they go to the church, even though they may not have ever been a member of a church. They don't know who the pastor is, but it's the place that has a cross. And they feel like that's the place of help and redemption and salvation. And so even those who may not know anything else, they know that that's a place that they can go and somebody somehow, some way is going to help them. Okay, now, one of the reasons why we're gathering today is to talk about an interactive working conference that you're inviting pastors, community leaders to come and connect with you next Tuesday, October, I think, is it 23rd? Correct, yes. And uh, is it going to be at Christ Church? It's October 23rd from 9 to 1 at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, located at 800 Madison Avenue, the lunch and the parking are free. And we do ask for people to go to our website and to register. And that's ChristChurchMemphis.org backslash no whispers. How does the path to recovery vary with those facing life traumas? 
I mean, does that make sense? Is there a varying path to recovery for those facing life? I mean, some people deal with the pain and the struggle of that throughout their entire life, don't they? I mean, is there a can there be a freedom point of, of not having to deal with that? So one of the things we offer are support groups. I may not want to talk about my issue unless I know that other people have the same issue or a similar issue. So it's safe if I know that you have been struggling, then I can tell you my story. But I've got to have a safe place to go in order to begin that conversation. And there are some people who have struggled for 50, 60, and 70 years with pain, and now they're being given permission to talk about the trauma in their lives and know that it's okay. So they have coped. They may have coped by um, uh, being depressed and taking antidepressants. They may have started drinking. They may have started using drugs. They may have withdrawn. But whatever they've done, once they hear, how can they hear unless there's a preacher or a person that comes to tell them that I am here for you. We are going to walk with you in this journey so that you know that you are not alone. So whether they come to a support group or they come to an individual that either Jesse or I or someone on our team or we make a recommendation to a counselor in the community, we get people the help that they need to help mend their brokenness. Do you think, Dr. Davis and Jesse, that the church somehow and maybe at one point kind of has failed in its representation of being a help and support because people a lot of times think, well, you know, because I have this addiction or I have this trouble, I need to get my life right before I can get involved with church, you know, or maybe it's just a lie that people believe with these kind of issues that they think, you know, until I straighten, clean myself up, turn over that leap, I don't need to go to church, you know, and get help there. They Maybe they, maybe they think that. Yeah, I think that's absolutely. Uh, I think the church can be the, the place where people can hide in, in plain view. And so people will have issues, but they weren't going to talk about them because I don't want so-and-so to know that I struggle with this. And then there's a lot of people in our community who suffer from, like you mentioned, trauma, who really need help. But again, they feel like they got to clean their lives up in order to you know, come to church. And again, as we know, we're all broken. And we all, we're all in need of Jesus. Yes. And so that's really what we try to say is at the, at the, at the cross, you know, the, the ground is level. And so we try to just start that conversation. And I, oftentimes I'll start with sharing my, part of my own story. And so people then realize, you know what? I'm not any different. I'm just as in need of grace as you are. Yes. And so, again, it's all about starting that conversation. And people, as soon as we let our walls down, other people let theirs wall down as well. And I think that's a great point. You know, I, I mentioned to you before we went on microphone, my good friend, Dr. E. Dewey Smith, pastors in Atlanta, we did a show on mental illness uh, a couple of years ago, and the YouTube video has already got well over 300,000 views. And I talked a little bit about my personal journey in my own home with my father. And then he talked about a close friend of his who's a pastor that committed suicide. And he had no idea that the mm-hmm. pastor was at that level. And so, you know, I mean, even those in the ministry, you know, sometimes can deal with the stress and the trauma of life. 
and find, you know, escapes like this, which are unnecessary, but maybe it was they didn't have somebody there they could they felt like they could be transparent with, you know, because especially as a pastor, you you feel like, oh, there's no they're not having troubles that I am, you know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, they're humans. You're a human, Dr. Davis. (laughs) That's exactly right. There is a tremendous stigma attached to having a mental health disorder. It's almost as though I'd rather have anything else in the world. Just don't let it be a mental health disorder. So people hide. And what uh, I think oftentimes happens, people forget that the church is a hospital. It is a place of imperfection for imperfect people that we come along. We are fellows on the same ship, fellowshipping together undergirding one another along the journey. What are some of the important concerns that churches would need to iron out as they look to establish an outreach within their church to deal with mental issues, mental health issues and trauma, you know, from their their church family members? You know, are there things that they need to look at as they try to strategize a ministry like this? You know, one of the things about changing a church culture uh, that we found is it really has to come from the pulpit. Um, we believe that the pastor, as, as they start to become vulnerable, and they, they help create that culture. Um, Cynthia uh, talked about suicide um, when we were doing a, a special uh, focus on that. And when we just made an announcement about it, people, a few people took flyers. That when she preached on it, like every single flyer was gone. And so just recognizing the power of the pulpit, you know, and there's so much mental health. You look in the Bible. I mean, there's all sorts of stories of, of, of different people who struggle. And it, it's very – it's woven in there. I mean, and so – Part of what we're trying to do is also pull that out and say, well, let's let's own this as a church, that these are issues that we struggle with, and, and let's talk about it openly. And let's start. Let's start from the pulpit, um, because I think the pastor has a, a great influence on shaping that conversation in his church. Yeah. Dr. Davis, any input on that, too? Um, I would just like to say that um, one of the things that we believe in, as Jesse just said, is being very vulnerable and telling our own stories and the areas of brokenness in our own lives, that pastors are just regular people with a different calling because Mm -hmm. all of us are part of the priesthood of all believers. Mm -hmm. Our calling just happens to be different, but it does not make us better than anybody else who struggles with an issue. So pastors do have depression. Pastors do take medications. Pastors do um, think about suicide. We have a great resource network when people are distressed that we refer people to. We make sure that people get help immediately. And we want to be on the forefront saying that we are here for you, even as clergy people. And if you don't want to come to our church or get involved with our ministry, we have wonderful people. And Methodist Healthcare is one of our partners because they have the Living Well uh, Health Network. Right. And that came about by um, the um, suicide of Dennis Jones. And so we now have an opportunity for clergy people to be able to call or go online to Methodist. 
uh, through their EAP and get the help that they need immediately. So we are looking out for those who are clergy and those who are in the community, and we want to make sure that resources are available at everybody's fingertips. Well, that was one of the things that really impressed me when I was looking over the information that uh, Jesse sent me was the the partnerships that you guys have have formed through the Tennessee Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services, uh, Special Projects and Faith-Based Initiatives, uh, University of Memphis Department of Social Work, University of Tennessee Church Health, uh, Memphis Christian Pastors Network, Memphis Police Department, Emotional Fitness Centers for Tennessee, and, of course, No Whispers at Christ Church. And so, I mean, you're, you're working together, networking, you know, to make this really benefit everybody in the city. And really, that's really the thing here. You've got these hubs. I, I, this was pretty cool. I, I like this. This uh, Is it Hope Hubs? Am I saying that right? That's it. That's Okay, they're called Hope Hubs. And I think this concept is just incredible. And really, what you're going to do next Tuesday at this meeting uh, at the University of Memphis from University 9 to Tennessee. 1. Ten, you, excuse me, UT. University, University of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. From 9 to 1 is you're going to lay this out and help people to... Uh, just to, to dig in and see where they might roll, they might play in these hope hubs, Jesse. Right. We want to put pastors and community leaders um, at, at, around tables. I mean, and, and people who are just interested and passionate about this around tables. And we want to say now, here are the resources, here are the needs. We want you to come away with a template to implement in your community. And so we're going to put them around tables by their community. So when they come, they'll find out what ward and police precinct that they're in. They're going to get stats from the Memphis police of exactly what's going on in their community, homicides, all those things. And, and we're going to try to address this. And kind of oftentimes as, as pastors and community leaders, we can get kind of tunnel vision just in our particular ministry. Yeah. And we want to kind of blow that up and say, what what can we do together? And how can we do this better? And so that's really our, our, our goal is to come away with action steps uh, and plans in place at the end of this. So going beyond talking right. into action. Yeah, I was just thinking of talking about action. My good friend, uh, Pastor Ralph White at Bloomfield yes. uh, Gospel Church, one of the things their church does in the neighborhood where they are in South Memphis, when there has been a murder in a home, they go and pray over the home and they, they you know, they try to find ways that they can minister to the family members. You know, uh, I, I was living on an island and uh, doing some ministry work at one time. There was an airline crash, and it was a devastating thing. Over Several hundred people were killed. And I remember we volunteered, our organization volunteered with the Salvation Army. And one of the things, you know, the first 10, anytime anybody goes through a traumatic event in their life, the first 10 minutes of debriefing, can change, make a lifelong save for mental health. You, when you when you talk about and you deal with the issue instead of suppressing it, you mentioned mm-hmm. people 50, 60 years have been living with this pain. Absolutely. You know, they shouldn't be. Absolutely. But they need a safe place to be able to do That's that. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. I, there's so much shame. Mm-hmm. So you're so shamed by things that you thought, you felt, or you experienced and a lot of times you think it's your fault, especially when you're a child. Yeah. So you grow up feeling very guilty. And then sometimes a way to take care of that guilt, 
that remorse, that depression that you're feeling, you may start with drugs or alcohol or other ways to medicate your pain. And so we've got to be aware that our children in our community are witnessing all kinds of violence in our city and to be very open to have venues for children also uh, to have counseling available for them. So if someone in our church has a child that has been traumatized in any way, we also have counselors and therapists that we can recommend them to in order for their child to get the help that they need. I mean, Dr. Davis, I was just thinking there could be, you know, sometimes parents have teenagers that are addicted to drugs. Yes. And maybe... In those various reasons, they could be, but maybe that child was traumatized and the parent doesn't know it, and that's how the child is dealing with the trauma that they internalized. ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Um, Susan Ellswick from the University of Memphis in the Department of Social Work will be one of our presenters on next Tuesday. And one of the things that she trains in is she goes to churches, and she has gone to churches since our last conference, to actually inform, instruct, and teach what ACEs are. And the more ACEs you have in your life, the more likely you are to have more issues related to depression or trying drugs or living a promiscuous life. And the list goes on. So if you have uh, at least three or four traumatic events in your life, those add up to you having more adverse experiences as an adult. My. Well, I'm just so thankful that we had the opportunity to get together. We could spend a lot of time. You're definitely going to have to plan on coming back. This is an issue we need to revisit on this program in the future. But in the meantime, we want to let our friends know about this event coming up again this this Tuesday at the University of Tennessee. Now, is that what is where's the campus location? It is the Health Science Center, and that's in the Midtown area. 800 Madison Avenue. And again, lunch and parking are free. And if they go to our website, they can also get a map to see where that free parking is located. And the other thing I would like for people to know is that our featured speaker is Dr. Alpha Stewart. She is the president, the national president of the American Psychiatric Association. She is also the director for the Center for Health Injustice Involved Youth and the chief of social and public psychiatry. We have a gym. Dr. Davis, Jesse, this has been great. Now, if folks want information about No Whispers, the program at Christ Church, is there a, a website, a phone number to call? Yes, it is. They can uh, go to our website, www.christchurchmemphis.org backslash no whispers. Okay, well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. We're definitely going to have to get back together. Thank you so much for staying tuned to the program. More great Bible teaching coming up next on AM 640 and FM 100.7. Bye-bye.